God is moving, even through hard times. I mean, that's part of rediscovering Jesus is realizing that he is real and relevant. He is active and alive in every season. And uh, as we get into this today, we're going to be in John 17 today, and we're going to look at this idea that we may be perfectly one. And I was thinking, you know, as a kid, do you remember those moments where, you know, you'd pass a note, do you like me, yes, no, and then somebody might add like maybe to that? Yeah, so I, I was a lot of maybes, I guess. And, and when that happens, like, you may have this idea that we may be per- perfectly one. Like, maybe, maybe. And, and here's the reality. Jesus actually prayed for you and I a couple thousand years ago. Not that maybe we'd be perfectly one, but that we may be perfectly one. Do you see the difference? As we look at this, prayer is so powerful and important. It is a part of the fabric of who we are as the people of God, but definitely as a part of our church here. I just want to remind you, on Thursday nights, we have a house of prayer. Uh, We gather at 6 o'clock. There is people that come and go, and then there's this core group of about 12 to 15 that are there almost every Thursday praying and interceding and experiencing the presence of God. We need to be, and we are a praying church, but I want to invite you to consider what does that look like for you to be a part of it? You see, Jesus said his church would be a house of prayer for all nations, actually what Jesus's heart is for his church, is that that's who we would be. And, and I want to begin with a couple of questions about prayer and maybe your own prayer life. If God answered all your prayers, would it change your world or the world? Think about that for a minute. If all we're ever praying for is things that would change our world, but not necessarily the world, we're missing out on, on the heart of God and the power of of prayer. Second question for you is this, if Jesus' prayer for you was answered, how would it change your world and the world? And that's what we're going to deal with today. We're, we're going to look at if Jesus' prayer was answered in your life and my life, how would our world personally and collectively be different? And there are some things that, that are, I believe, going to come alive and jump off at us today as we look at this. In John 17, we'll pick up in verse 11 as Jesus is praying and declaring some things for you and I. Verse 11, he says, And I am no longer in the world, but they, meaning you and I, are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, say one, Even as we, he says, are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world." Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. There is so much in there. 
If you're taking notes, Jesus is declaring some things. He's, he's praying for us and declaring some things that are so important about who we would be. And it begins, if you're taking notes, with this idea that we would be one as God is one. And I'm going to just go through each of these. Because as he declares these, Jesus is recognizing and, and making sure that we understand that he's a part of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That he's a Trinitarian God, that Jesus, as the Son of God, is already participating within this Trinitarian community. Have you ever thought of it that way? That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in community with one another. There is a perfect unity and a oneness about them. And we actually learn in Genesis chapter 1 that you and I are created in the image of God. It actually says R, O-U-R, which is plural, which also is indicating that the imprint, the image of God includes Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That it's a Trinitarian God that we're designed by and actually asked to live in the same kind of unity. So to be one as God is one. Are you tracking with me? Okay, secondly, that we be filled with his joy. And this has come up over the last couple of weeks. Why? Because John, in his gospel, articulates over and over what Jesus has been saying, which is joy is an attribute of God. That it actually comes in relationship with walking with Jesus, whether we're in good times or bad times. So he's declaring that you and I would be one and we would be filled with his joy. Have you sensed your joy growing? To walk with Jesus is to see and to find your joy growing. My hope is that that's a part of our walk and our relationship. He also says that we be in the world, but not of it. So he doesn't evac us. He doesn't remove us when we come to faith. He actually leaves us here. Scripture teaches that we would be salt and light. That we would be different difference makers in our world. That there would be things about us that because we follow Jesus and we're extending his kingdom, that would be completely counter to the world around us. And, and this is one that we all have to look at is, is Jesus's prayer that we would be in the world but not of it being answered and fulfilled? Is there areas of our life that he's saying, hey, you're in the world and you're of it? Where he's saying, I want you to, to lay that down or to let go or to remove that from your life. You're supposed to be in the world as a difference maker, influencing the world, not being influenced by it. Come on, church. Y'all are too quiet today. Talk back church is okay, all right? Fourthly, he's declaring that we would be sanctified by the word, which is the truth. That word sanctified... Uh, if you've heard somebody say, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Spirit, okay? What they're getting at is that they're saved by Jesus. Sanctified means set apart. And that ongoing work of sanctification, it's a, it's a progressive revelation of God's work in our life where our flesh is continuing to die more and more to the sin nature and more and more of Jesus is being revealed. How does that happen? He's saying primarily by his word. So if, you're, if his word isn't getting into your life, you're not experiencing 
the truth of God in the same way that others are. And, and we live in 2022 in a day and age where, as I've said before, there's no excuses. I don't like to read, pastor. Don't. Let someone read to you. There's an app called YouVersion that actually, if you push play, it will read to you the scriptures. Let it tuck you in at night, right? Let, there is no excuse for not getting his word in truth in our life. And he's saying that is what is going to sanctify us and set us apart. Because his word is like nothing else in the world. It is not another piece of literature. It is alive. It is active. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It has everything we need for life and life to the full. And when that begins to work on us, we begin to experience a different life, a set-apart life. And then the last one, he declared that we would be sent as he is sent. That actually every single believer has a calling by God as a sent one. That we are sent, whether it's across the street Across the sea, we are all sent to share the good news and the love of Jesus Christ. And so he's praying these things over us and declaring them. That's an amazing opportunity to say, wow, that's the heart of God for my life. Now, he goes on in verse 20 to 23. And we're going to read these next few verses and see that While those things in many ways could be individual, there's also this collective prayer that he's extending to his people. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. Let me just pause there. That is so profound, isn't it? He's literally saying that those that believe in me in 2022, I'm praying for them. This is in the first century. Amazing that he he was seeing and envisioning and knowing that you and I would believe in him and follow him. And he's praying for us back then. Verse 21. "That That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that, we, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love, love them even as you love me. So as we look at this, if you're taking notes, the second part is Jesus prayed for us and asked that we would be perfectly one with God and with one another. Perfectly one. And imagine like Jesus thinking of how divisive 2022 might be. And how he was praying even then for you and I. That we wouldn't get swept up in the division and the disunity. But that we would, as believers in Jesus Christ, find unity in him and with one another. You see, unity honors Jesus. Disunity dishonors Jesus and promotes division. Let me just leave that sit there for a minute. That actually, Jesus prayed for a unity that would honor him. And he's actually dishonored when we're living in disunity. We live in a very divisive age and in a world that would love nothing more than to keep separating us into categories, into groups, into trying to pull us apart. But here's Jesus praying for a unity 
that would actually be a testimony to his glory. Church, I get excited about this. I get really excited because that's his heart. That's his heart is that you and I would be an example in our world of what's possible and to be his church means to love and to welcome and to be unified with all people. Come on, church, where are you at today? This is how he prayed for you and I. Now, sometimes, though, we can get caught up in in missing the big picture. We can actually miss the big picture of what's happened and what's happening by actually getting caught in the minutiae, in the little things. Let me show you a quick video clip that illustrates this beautifully. mess up your tire real bad but got it much better isn't that hilarious like let's get the little rock and miss the big picture right and this is often what happens so I want to take us to the big picture today I want to acknowledge that unity is not something that comes easily right now in our world But it's something that that is his prayer and his heart for us. It's something that if we can see the big picture, I believe God can do something with it and about it. Turn with me uh, to Genesis 11, and we're going to look, if you're taking notes, at what happened and is happening. And I'm going to walk through this fairly quickly. In Genesis 11, it says this, Now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the Lord of man, the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Let me just pause there. This is because pride is involved, sin is involved. God sees the power of oneness in the direction it could take them. The principle of, of being one and unified is significant because we can do so much more together when we're unified than outside of it. And this moment here is God saying, listen, I know what they're capable of now if they're unified, and so I'm going to do something about it to slow down some of the destruction and the sin that will enter into their lives through that unity that isn't based on Jesus. So verse 7, come, let us go down, and they're confused their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the moment where they are scattered and separated, where humanity is actually uh, separated by language confusion. Now, here's the thing. I want you to know that we do believe as a church for all people, that we want to do our best as God leads to actually minister to different nations and different languages as the Lord leads. So I, I want to share with you, we actually have been birthing a Spanish-speaking ministry here over the last six months 
They've been meeting as a life group. This last, literally yesterday, they went out. Our food pantry supplied food. They went out after praying and fasting into the community, went door to door to nine homes, and prayed, and 11 people received Jesus last night. Church, absolutely amazing. Absolutely incredible. And we want you to know that we believe God has even more for this ministry as a part of Pathway and the need here in the Treasure Coast. So if you're interested in being a part of it, whether it's to attend or to potentially be a leader or to learn even just more information, uh, there's a sign up there, pathwayvb.com slash Spanish. If you'll just go there, whether you're online right now or in person, and we'll get you more information and, and get you uh, the opportunity to be a part of that. But isn't that incredible? It, I mean, it really is. Now, back to the text, they're separated by this language. And God doesn't leave it there long. As they're spread out across the earth, in Genesis 12, we see the beginning of God's restoration project. This is the second aspect of what happened and is happening. Let me show it to you in Genesis 12. A man named Abram, God comes to him and says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The second aspect is while we're separated, God also is somebody who says, I'm going to set you apart and send you. And it begins with Abram and the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. So God begins moving to say, we're going to bring people together in a new and a fresh way. Now, as we jump into the New Testament, look at what Ephesians 2 verse 12 and 13 says. It says, Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is such good news. If you're taking notes, it's the reality that what happened and is happening is we're bloodied, and he's bringing us near. You see, you can't have the same kind of unity with God and with others without the blood of Jesus. At the foot of the cross is the most level ground where every sinner, regardless of what we've done, comes to Jesus and at the cross finds forgiveness and mercy and grace. And that actually then covers us and brings us nearer to him that scripture in Ephesians 2 goes on to say that the dividing wall of hostility between God and man and man and each other has been broken down because of the blood of Jesus. Church, do we believe in the power of the gospel, the power of the cross, and the blood of Jesus? Because if you were to turn on your newsfeed or social media, there are times where the world is screaming division while Jesus is saying, I'm praying for your unity. The world is saying it's impossible, and Jesus is saying, no, get next to me and let me show you how to love one another and to be one. 
He unifies us in a way that's not just his prayer, but is a possibility because of his presence. And our mission as a church, loving God and loving all people in our pathway. We aren't going to be able to do this apart from Jesus. And why do we feel we're called to do it? Because it was Jesus's prayer. It's his heart. We're Jesus people, amen? And, and that may not be popular in this day and age to say that his word is truth, to say that we're unified in the blood of, uh, you know, by the blood of the cross. It may not be popular to say we're all sinners in need of a savior. It may not be popular to say any of that, but I'm never and we're never going to be about popularity. It's about what does scripture teach and who are we called to be? And so it's his blood that covers us and brings us near. From there, it's pretty incredible what happens in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there, there's another snapshot we need to see about what happened and what is happening. This is the heart of God being poured out through the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Now, keep in mind that at this moment of Pentecost, there's likely more than a million people from many nations and tongues gathered in Jerusalem. In Genesis 11, when God sends and scatters them based on language, notice what he does here with the outpouring of the Spirit. It's powerful. Y'all get really excited and nerdy about it. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from a heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. There's a spiritual gift of tongues, and then there's this literal gift of tongues in this moment that was so they could all hear the gospel in their own language. The heart of God to unify and to bring people together is, being on, is on display through the power of the Spirit here. And this is the next piece of the notes that, that we need to recognize that God is being poured out and he's uniting people. He wants to be poured out and unite people just as he did in Acts chapter 2. If you've ever had the opportunity to travel internationally and to experience believers in other countries, one of the things is we may not share the same language, but we share the same spirit. And it's amazing to be around other believers who just feel like family because of the Holy Spirit and the commonality in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Francis Chan, in one of his recent books, says this. He's an author and a pastor. In regards to the Spirit, he says, If you're willing to let the present presence of the Spirit take precedence, you will find a much more diverse, beautiful family of believers because it's the family that God has made, not the one you have chosen. That is powerful. You see, the Spirit of God gives birth to a diverse 
group of people, all nations. And his heart is to unify us and to bring us together. And that enriches our life and makes our life that much better. Lastly, as we think about being poured out and uniting in Galatians chapter 3, Paul says this about you and I and our identity in Jesus and as a part of his family. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. All of us are sons of God through faith. Can you hear that? Can you receive that? For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. So he's dealing with cultural and racial pieces there. He's also dealing with economic class, slave nor free. That would be have and have not. There is no male and female for all. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's. Remember that guy? Genesis 12. He was told you'd be a blessing to many nations. He was sent. Okay, he's saying that each of us are Christ. Then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You see, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, he's uniting us to him and to one another. We have a new identity. We have a new inheritance. We are actually called sons of God, and to be Abraham's offspring is absolutely astounding that God would invite us into this. So, what happened and what is happening? I think to some degree, when Jesus prayed that we would be made perfectly one, that I think we've lost sight of the grand narrative of Scripture. That when we read our Bibles, we read oftentimes verses and we pull them out and we apply them. Let me just give you one example. This isn't in my notes. Here we go. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. I love it. Amazing verse, right? For I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. May not be perfectly quoted there, but it's pretty close. And we pull out that verse and we go, yes, that's incredible. And we miss that that verse was written to exiles in Babylon that were told, you're going to live under oppression and slavery for 70 years. You see, when we only pull out the verses that we like, we miss the big picture. And what we're doing today is trying to pull back to see the big picture that if we get back to the heart of God, to his prayer and to who he is, there is an invitation to be a part of something far more great than anything most of us have experienced here on earth. And that that actually, when God begins to unify and bring people together, it's going to be a testimony to who our Lord, our Savior, and our King is. Because they're going to see that, wow, to bring that kind of group of people together, there had to have been a king in charge. It doesn't look like anything we've experienced here on earth. Church, there's some questions I need to ask you today. There's some questions that I hope we can apply because I want us to fulfill Jesus' prayer. So these next step questions are so critical today. First, are you living the life that Jesus offered? You could even say offers and prayed for you. Are you being set apart, filled with joy? Are you living the things he declared over you, that you are sanctified, that you are sent? 
Are you living as one with him and unified? Secondly, are you in the world but not of it? What changes do you need to make to live sanctified and set apart and sent on mission? Maybe there's something very specific that that you know God is saying, get that out of your life. And if that's the case, my prayer, my hope is that you say yes, because whatever he's removing, he's about to replace with something even better. Can I... Can I get a testimony, church? I mean, when he says, hey, remove this, it's because he's repositioning us for what he wants to bless us with and do next. And then third, are you living in unity or disunity with other believers? And that one hits home, doesn't it? Because it's really easy to start picking and forgetting the big picture. What might God do if we began to say, Lord, forgive me. I want to live in unity with you and others. Scripture's clear that God blesses unity. It's his heart, and he also blesses it when it's present. And church, I believe we are entering into a new season of great alignment and great unity. I believe his spirit is moving here. Do you believe that? Because if you're watching online right now, you're literally going, ooh, I don't know if they believe it. I know he is here and with us. And he's inviting us to experience even more of who he is and what he has. So I want to pray over us. And then we're going to go into a time where we're going to actually be a house of prayer. Let me pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you uh, that you have declared so many incredible things over the life of each individual that follows you and also over the life of your church, your people. Lord, I thank you for your heart for unity. Many of us are hurting because of disunity and division. We've experienced it in churches. We've experienced it in our country and in our communities and maybe even in our homes. And we know, Lord, that you said a house divided will not stand. So, Father, use your word today to set us apart, to be a people that would lay down anything we need to to follow you and to do it together, that we could be unified, that we could be a reflection of your prayer, and that people would see the unity and love and give you glory. We thank you for what you are doing here. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. So every once in a while, we finish a service with prayer circles. Uh, We're going to put a slide up. If you're a visitor, uh, you are welcome to participate in these. Um, When the early church met, they would get into the word, and then they would break bread, and they would pray together. And so we've tried to create space to do this. It's a great way to connect and get to know other people as well. And so uh, in a minute, uh, we're going to just invite you to be in a group of four to eight people. Meet some new people in the church. Uh, The church is growing, so there's a lot of new people uh, to meet. And uh, as you do that, there's three things that you could potentially pray over together. Uh, You can see them listed there in those bullet points. You can let the Spirit lead in your group as well. So don't feel like you have to pray over each of those. It's just to give some guidance. Uh, Secondly, you may not want to be in a group. Maybe you're not ready, and that's okay. Uh, You can pray individually right where you are for a few minutes. And uh, we'd invite you to do that. Or third, you may need prayer. 
Maybe there was something today that touched your heart, uh, something in his word that you're wrestling with that you have a question about. Our prayer partners and myself will be up here and available to pray with anybody that needs prayer. If you're online, our chat host is ready to pray with you as well. You can just drop it in the comments. Um, We're all clear on what we're going to do? So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to just say one more prayer of blessing, and then you're going to get into groups, and when you're ready to go, you can go. Okay? But may we see the opportunity that this is. Jesus prayed for us to be one and unified. Let's take a few minutes to pray together today and and to see what that could look like. Amen? So actually, why don't you just go ahead and stand, and uh, I'll pray, and that'll get your blood flowing, get you moving. Uh, If you do have kids and Pathway Kids, please go pick them up by 1030. That gives you about 10 minutes or so to give you an idea. Father, as we enter into uh, just a time of being your church and uh, praying, I just ask for your presence among us, that new friendships, new relationships would be formed. Uh, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do and move in and through your people, in and through our prayers. Thank you for preparing us, uh, not just for what you want to do, Lord, but for the things that you're putting on our heart, that we could receive the fullness of of your plans for our church. May we love you and love all people. May we be the church you've called us to be. We thank you in Jesus' name.